Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Today, we're really excited to have Thomas Chavane, who is the current head of M&A at the Oradu Group. Oradu is one of the largest telecommunications companies in the Middle East and Northern Africa. Prior to this role, he was the chief strategy officer at Indosat, and he's been a global board member of MEF. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thomas, we start each episode with the guests sharing a bit about themselves. Can you share a few highlights on your career, what you're passionate about in tech and telco? Yes, so I've been in this exciting industry for 20 20 years. I'm from France, but I've lived uh, and worked in almost 10 different countries in uh, Middle East, North Africa, and Asia. Uh, My first job ever was actually to create a startup company. And after that, I worked in uh, consulting and also creating my own uh, consulting company. And uh, I was really part of this growth phase of the industry. I worked on launching five different telecom and media companies in different countries in the Middle East, North Africa, and and Asia. And uh, after that, I uh, joined Oridu, where I became the chief strategy officer of uh, Indosat, and our largest uh, subsidiary uh, in Indonesia. And then came back to the group to lead uh, M&A at the group level across all of our uh, footprints. Thomas, uh, you mentioned Oridu and different markets, and we've seen Oridu's journey has been a lot of acquisitions and bringing several companies together across the world. How have you got many of these companies to work together? Yeah, we're very proud and happy of what we have achieved, especially lately. You know, we've seen a very good result this year. I think as as MNA, you know, it always teaches you to look at. Uh, how do you fundamentally create value in a business as opposed to a lot of activities that people spend a lot of time on, but maybe are not really adding to the bottom line at the end. That's kind of one of the key recipes here is focus on a few key strategic themes and strategic projects and really let the operations kind of run the day-to-day with people who are closest to each market, each market being, of course, extremely different, you know, between Indonesia, Myanmar, Iraq, Algeria, Tunisia, or to Qatar and, and Kuwait. So continuing on that theme, Thomas, where do you see the future of telecommunications companies? Where will the growth come from? What services do customers want? And where do you think telcos are best positioned to win? Yeah, I think telecom companies are increasingly relevant. You know, every individual, every business, every government needs more and more the, the services we, we provide. What we see in this, uh, in this part of the world is businesses going to the cloud, uh, individuals and consumers demanding more advanced media, games, higher quality videos, real-time interactions, social media, and governments also, which is a very important driver in this part of the world, driving digital transformation in each country. So I think we see telecom uh, companies really as a key enabler of all of this transformation, uh, in particular with services such as IoT, we see a lot of businesses and partners asking us for solutions uh, to, to enable that. We see a lot of growth being revived by AI, obviously, which is driving a bigger demand for all the data that you need to process for these businesses and this, uh, and this transformation as well. Thomas, I come from a market in the Americas where you know business on the enterprise side, telcos, pretty much all of the major telcos are seeing a decline in revenues. So what lessons have you learned from telcos in more mature markets? What things do you think you would take away and like what things maybe you wouldn't do? It's an interesting question. 
there are things that are being done in emerging markets can be an inspiration for telcos in more mature markets. You know, the way, for example, mobile financial services opportunities have been captured or, or the way we've had to, to operate and you know, turn a profit on markets where you have $3 ARPU as well and, and the way we look at certain cost items as well. When we look at, at more mature markets, one of the key lessons learned is, I would say, the need for scale in each of the markets in which we operate. And certainly our strategy is to try everywhere we operate to try and be number one or number two. And, and this is why and we've seen the benefit of that in Indonesia, uh, for example, where we've done this merger last year uh, to create a strong number two with 100 million customers. And we really see the benefit of that scale on a, on a local basis. And I think it's something a lot of telcos in mature markets have seen as well as to how everywhere you operate, you need to be uh, in a, I would say, strong or dominant position in each of the individual uh, countries. I think one of the other thing we see is all the different ways in which we can share the burden of investment and be more focused on where we need to invest. And I think there's been a lot of reconfiguration of telecom industry into having telecom operators separate from DC companies, tower companies, fiber cores in some markets, doing increasingly partnerships to share investments. And I think that that's definitely something we have embraced in terms of having different investment models, uh, being somewhat sometimes done in-house, sometimes done within a spin-off, sometimes done through a partnership model as well. Thomas, it's interesting you talk about learnings from emerging markets and separating out the infrastructure companies and the digital services company. It's interesting that we hear a lot about this telco to techco transition in Asian markets. But we don't hear a lot of that in mature European or US markets. So what do you think is the driver of that, especially in emerging markets? Yeah, I think to enable that transition, we need to be uh, not a competitor, but a partner for a lot of these digital companies. It's something telcos have known for a while, but have struggled to kind of really put into action. And I think being kind of a digital-ready partner for this, for this type of company is something that is a very big focus. Part of it also, when you ask the difference between market, mature market in this region uh, and the different markets in which we operate, I think there is something around the mindset also as well. Right? It, I think we need to keep this growth mindset. Of course, cost efficiency is very important. If you don't look for this additional pocket of value and you give up on growth, also you will not create value. You know, I remember 2017, 18, a lot of big telcos were offloading their data centers. We thought it's not core business. And now we're seeing a lot of interest back in it again. Has something changed fundamentally on the infrastructure side? Yeah, I think it, it really depends on, on what's, what is the situation in each of the market. Certainly for us, we see it as a, as a significant investment opportunity. We want to drive increased focus to capture the opportunity and we want to invest up to $1 billion into this opportunity, actually. In our existing markets, we already have 60% or so market share. I think it's a function really of having the right focus because we recognize so it's a very different business from the day-to-day -day telco business. So we need to have a dedicated team, dedicated company, different mindset and being open to partner. But in our part of the world, definitely we see it as a, as a big, uh, big growth opportunity, especially given, as I was saying, the move of businesses to the cloud. So speaking of new opportunities, like how to use AI in, in our job and how to use AI for our clients. So we decided that we would try something new in our podcast and ask ChatGPT what question we should ask you. Thomas, 
So are you ready for your chat GPT question? Yeah, go ahead. That's a very good idea. Can you talk more about Oradu's strategy to transition from a network-centric to a service and customer experience-centric operating model? Thank you. That's a very good question. I think the key to that transition is really about starting from the customer needs and not from what we know about the network. Just to give a specific example, I think we try to move away from things around advertising and, and, and focusing on headlight speeds for customers because we notice this is not something that makes such a big difference to them, actually. What they really want is a consistent service that allows them to do what they do on a daily basis, for example, watching YouTube videos without buffering. So I think the way we drive the business and even internally and the KPIs and the design is very much around starting from the customer need more than starting from the technology, which I think historically has been the way uh, telecoms have, have driven these things. Yeah. So one of the things that we've heard from our other Middle East partners too is that the Middle East telcos are facing a shortage of specialist talent. What is telco's role in helping to regenerate that talent base and where are you getting the talent from to rethink your operating model? Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely a challenge for a lot of businesses, including for Teleco, for sure. Uh, in the region, I think there is a lot of focus, including from the governments on, on, on talent development and education, but clearly it is a challenge. I think for sure we have to make ourselves more attractive. And uh, one of the ways we're doing this is how we change our culture, even things around like working from home, training, and how we, how we look at these things. So I think we try to be much closer to the, to the need of the, of the job market today. So I would say how challenging it has been to attract and retain talent also has created in a sense an opportunity for us to get that message across and drive some of the change of culture, processes and habits that, you know, we wanted to drive anyway. And now we are, we are really pushing through. It's really something that can be an opportunity actually for us to, to drive this change. Do you want to talk of an example about a partnership? Because you talked about ecosystems and how this can tie up with external players. Yeah, so as operator, we know that to stay relevant, we have to build an ecosystem around us. We've done that in many areas. In fact, we have a dedicated team to do that. And we've done that with you know, Microsoft on joint cloud, go-to-market, Google on APG, car companies on IoT and other things. The key thing that we try to focus on is how as Telco, uh, we organize ourselves to be faster and more agile as a partner and how we kind of scale that up, right? And do that almost on an industrial basis. Well, we have something like 250 partners now working with us and you represent something like 20% of our cash flows. Our colleagues in this area are doing a, a great job. Uh, and I think it's really, as I mentioned, a matter of, uh, of focus and being very clear also that, you know, we're not trying to compete in this area. We're trying to be an enable of, of, of partners. That's right. And, uh, you know, we, we saw the Open Gateway Initiative where three of the big seven or big four techs came together with Telcos. So in the Middle East itself, um, where do you see the digital progression five years from now? And how do you contrast it with Asia Pacific or Indonesia, where you've also spent some time? Yeah, I think first, in terms of, of the way I would say international investors and people look at the region, I think definitely there's a shift. You know, we see more and more interest to invest into this region. Of course, the, the, the growth in the region has been, you know, has been a key driver of that. Uh, specifically for Qatar, I think the World Cup has also been a fantastic showcase of what this country can do as well as really put it even more in the spotlight. Definitely now I see that coming into the Middle East. I think what I see in this region is this transformation of businesses and governments 
into really going into the cloud. Certainly, I think the regulation, the government are kind of understanding the need to enable that. And we see a lot of positive drive and so on from, from the governments as well. So I see that really catching up into digitalization drivers to the cloud coming into this region as well. So one of the things that you talked about earlier in this culture change, and you mentioned bringing the World Cup in and what that changed, like what's Oregon's role? And like, how do you think about partnering with some of these big international events to drive growth in the business, change the way people think about telcos? Yeah, thanks. I have to say the World Cup was an absolutely amazing experience. For me personally, as a French person, even more, but I think for for everyone here and everyone who came here, I think I was super impressed by what, what the country has done and frankly what my Oridu has done. I think when when we did the opening ceremony, there was more traffic than during the Super Bowl, for example, in the US. It was like a you know the first 5G World Cup. It was quite amazing because actually for the uh, users, you know, you're going to a stage where they really expect that now when they go to an event. It's kind of a key part of the experience, you know. They, everyone expects if you go to a to an event that you can stream it live, they can, you, can, you can go on Instagram. And, and I would say even, many people don't even expect that they have to go on Wi-Fi. They expect to do it on their 4G or 5G network. So I think anyone who thinks around events now has to think along this line as well as to, you know, how we, what's the digital experience on this, uh, on this event for, for the public, even for, you know, sponsors and businesses and everyone around it. Um, and I have to say, obviously it was, very high pressure environment for, for my colleagues in, in Qatar and for our technology team, but it was very, very impressive what, what, uh, what the team has achieved there. So I have another question. When you look at the markets that Ordu serves, they're so different, right? How do you balance the, the needs of those like really varying markets? And like, do you try to provide a consistent service across the markets? Like, Anyway, just I wonder I wonder about that. Like, how do you think about that? The markets are so different. It's quite a unique viewpoint on the industry. You know, you can't imagine something more diverse than from from the Gulf, Qatar, Kuwait, Oman to Indonesia or or, or Myanmar for for sure. Right? I think you know there are, there are a few things that have to be consistent. There are a few things where we really have to adapt to the markets. The core strategy about, like I say, you know, the need for scale the need to uh, differentiate the investment model for different parts of the business, the need to be a key partner enabler. So some of the core strategy pillars have to be the same. But when it comes to kind of the execution of that and how do you uh, design networks, how do you price offers, how do you design services, of course, you have to do that from the market and you have to be as close as possible to each of the market. And that's why I mentioned when you start from the customer needs, then you will just intuitively do that because the customer needs are different. The priorities are different when you are in the countryside and, and you, know, you need reliable connection to do basic services or you are in a market like Qatar where it's the first five commercial 5G network in the world. Uh, and so you have a completely different expectation of service. So I think we really have to adapt the execution, but you know, with a consistent core strategy. Thomas, last question from me. And I'm reading a book around Africa right now. And I'm seeing the disparity in, in development. In fact, Singapore's prime minister was in Africa just uh, earlier this week. Do you see 5G impacting Africa in the next few years, or is it more marketing? Yeah, I think when we look at uh, when we look at customer needs, I think we should not look at it from starting with the technology. Customers and businesses they need connectivity, 
and they need additional services on top of it, right? And the best way to provide it can be through fiber, can be through 5G, can be through 4G. I think as telcos, sometimes we are a bit too focused on the, each of the G as opposed to the specific need of the, of the customers. So I think it's really, really end-to-end. You need to look at what are the customer needs in each of the market and how do you enable that being through 4G, 5G, tomorrow 6G. Uh, or fiber or any other technology that suits their need best, rather than starting from the technology. One more question for me, Thomas, that you made me think about when you were just talking about that and I was thinking about earlier. Being from France, and you talked about scale being important. So what advice would you give to the European telcos to help drive scale so that they can better invest in their networks? I think when you are used to working in environments where the, the cost pressure is much higher, uh, and the output is much lower. I think sometimes uh, you can be much more creative on how to be cost efficient. You know, and certainly when I was in Indonesia, I think the way some of these operators are able to turn a profit on very very low outputs is something that you know you could look at rejiggering a bit the way we do things in in more mature markets. Actually, kind of like a zero zero cost approach. You know, I think the other thing is what I saw is about how do you in, in these very large scale markets, you know, how do you enable uh, automation more, right? And I think when you have a larger customer base, the business case for you is, is even easier. So I think you're looking at automation a bit in a different way as well. And I think there are things there also that, that probably people in sometimes mature markets could, could learn from us. Yeah, I totally agree. I do. I do. Sometimes that's a challenge I have with my client, um, with my clients here in the U.S. today, that it's hard for them to take lessons from emerging markets because they're a bit too wrapped up in the problems that um, have been and the weight that they carry from the legacy networks that they have. So, Thomas, we like to wrap up each episode with five questions. We ask everyone the same question, the same five questions. So are you ready for that? Yeah. Okay. So first one, what motivates you? Having an impact. What do you like to do when you're not at work? Uh, spend time with my uh, 11 and 13-year-old daughters and the outdoor, hiking, diving, climbing, mountaineering, paragliding. Okay, nice. That sounds like fun. Lots of adventure. No soccer in there? Soccer is to watch. I don't really play. Why is the entire telecom industry more relevant than ever? Uh, well, I think in, in simple words, we enter a world where every individual, every business, every organization relies on us every day. So I think you can't get any more relevant than that. That's true. If you could change one thing in the industry, what would it be? I think precisely having a more positive outlook. I think we are a highly relevant industry and sometimes there's just a little bit too much doom and gloom talking compared to what we are and what we can do. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Okay, last question. What is your most recommended book or podcast? Business Wars with David Brown podcast. Okay, great. I think that's everything then. All right, Thomas, thank you for talking to us. Thank you. I hope the listeners enjoyed this podcast as much as Anna, Arun, and I did. Have a wonderful evening and rest of the week. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Isaac.